the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. Hi, it's Andy Lockwood from Lockwood College Prep, and this is a quick presentation on the 10 ways that you can sabotage yourself. I'm going to outline very quickly 10 of the biggest obstacles, uh, pretty much each of which is self-imposed, that we see here at the firm, Lockwood College Prep, getting in the way of parents and children on their way to college success. College success to us means getting in where you want to get in, paying wholesale prices in most cases, and launching yourself for success post-college, which ties in to mistake number one, focusing on the four years, not the 40 years. I think there is an undue emphasis, almost to the point of, of craziness, on where you're going to college. To me, that's about as silly as if you were to, to put all of your time and energy and money into rushing to the airport, but you had no idea where the flight was going. It's that, it's that dumb. In our process, the first thing we do with kids, and this is very different, so it's not right for everyone, but the first thing we do is we sit them down with our career counselor, who happens to be a former college admissions officer, and she helps them draw out their wiring through the use of an assessment and other tools, and then looks at Bureau of Labor Statistics and other types of information to match up fields, majors, jobs, where a kid can love what he or she does, so work doesn't feel like work, and also make a living, get off mom and dad's full ride scholarship. It's a backwards planning approach, and it's not right for everyone, but I think the other way is really bad, because if you just wing it, horrible things can happen. I'll describe those in a minute. Number two obstacle is chasing rank. A lot of people start and stop their college search with applying only to highly ranked schools, but this is silly because rank is pretty meaningless when it comes to helping kids achieve success post-college. There is no correlation at all between attending a highly ranked school and being successful financially or any other way that you measure it. In fact, rank has much more to do with how much money a college raises than it does with anything else that's meaningful, including quality of education. That is nowhere in the U.S. News and World Report factors that go into how they rank schools. So that is a huge mistake. It's good to understand where colleges are ranked, but I wouldn't base your entire college list solely on rank. Mistake number three, obstacle number three, I should say, is assuming that your guidance counselor can help you. Now, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not bashing guidance counselors, but facts are facts. The average ratio of student to guidance counselor across the country is a whopping 400 to 1. It's actually more than that. So if you're hoping to get personalized attention from your guidance counselor, it's a very dim chance that that's going to happen. Now, many guidance counselors are great. We happen to love our guidance counselor at our high school, but they are not trained in the nuances of how the financial aid system works. 
They don't understand the, the landmines and the loopholes that are lurking in the FAFSA and the CSS profile. And when, when it comes to advising children on extracurricular activities, both in and out of school and summer activities and things that they, they can do to augment their chances of getting in to a top college that has nothing to do with your grades and your scores, they fall short because most guidance counselors don't have that college meeting with children until sometime in the second half of 11th grade. But the problem is that your entire body of work that you start creating that ultimately gets judged by admissions officers when you apply to college, that commences in ninth grade or maybe even earlier if you're taking advanced classes. So to meet with your guidance counselor for the first time in the middle of 11th grade is a big problem. Mistake number four is very similar. It's assuming that your accountant can help you navigate the financial aid system. Now, even the, the easy form, the FAFSA, which is the free application for federal student aid, has 1,100 pages of regulations behind it, and accountants and CPAs never have the training necessary to be able to help you identify strategies that can help you get in or or I should say, help you qualify for more financial aid. Frequently, they give out information that is flat out wrong. I was on the phone last week with a client who insisted that we file his daughter's FAFSA uh, and CSS profile this coming April because the CPA urged them to do that. The only problem is this daughter graduates next year and her FAFSA and CSS profile won't become available until October. So the CPA has no idea what they're talking about. I was speaking to another one uh, for, for on the behalf of another client a couple of days ago, and her advice what had to do with help negotiating a financial aid award and explaining that because, <laughs> because uh, personal trainers in another state, the state of Georgia, were facing gym closures. That meant that our client in New York could be facing the same thing, and we should send that article to their financial aid office. They don't consider articles anyway, so this was ludicrous. My point is that you should only listen to experts. Just because your accountant is good with one thing, tax returns, does not mean that they understand another thing, financial aid forms. Okay, mistake number five is assuming that you can't qualify. So many parents just assume that they're not going to get anything because they earn too high an income. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that there is no magic ceiling over which if you cross it, you're not going to qualify for need-based aid. Yes, income is very important in terms of its weight in the financial aid formulas, but there are 77 factors. Income is not the sole determinant of whether you will qualify for financial aid or not. In fact, we have a client who makes more than $300,000 who received a very nice set of offers for his son from schools such as Villanova and other similar competitive colleges to Villanova. So don't assume you can't qualify. The average tuition discount by private colleges is 52.2% currently as I record this in 2020. And that number has been increasing every year according to the National Association of Collegiate Business Officers. And at most colleges, roughly 25% only of the families pay full boat and they're subsidizing the other 75%. Dumb question, which group would you rather be in to understand that colleges prefer to give money to high income families? So that does not mean that you're not going to be able to qualify. Everyone should apply. 
Obstacle number seven, assuming that your financial aid or merit aid offer is final. Now, I just finished writing a book on this, how to negotiate your crappy financial aid and merit aid offer. The offers that come or the financial aid awards and merit aid awards that come are negotiable. You miss 100% of the shots you never take, according to the great hockey guy, Wayne Gretzky. There's no harm in trying to negotiate. Every offer that you get is only that. It's not written in stone. It's an initial offer. Now, if you have younger children and you're a year or so away from applying to college, understand that the best defense is a good offense. Having a set of colleges that play, that you can play off against each other because they compete with one another. Moving along, mistake number or obstacle number seven is ignoring or being oblivious to deadlines. There are numerous deadlines throughout the college admissions and financial aid processes. There is no one universal deadline to file a financial aid form, just the same way there was no universal deadline to file your college applications. So each school has its own set of deadlines. If you're applying early action, early decision for college admissions, you could have a deadline of October 15th or November 1st or November 15th or some other date. If you are also applying for financial aid, there's a separate set of deadlines called priority financial aid deadlines that you've got to adhere to also. And each of those deadlines is listed on the college's website too. So many people make the mis this mistake by overlooking one or both of these types of deadlines. Hopefully you will not do that just because you're being introduced to this information right here. So congratulations in advance on that. Obstacle number eight has to do with the essay. Okay, I have so much to say on this, but I'm gonna try to keep this video short. The college essay is not a high school English paper. You can get an A on an English paper that you handed in to, to your English teacher because it has a nice introduction to body, a conclusion, and it's grammatically correct, but that could be the world's worst college essay. In our practice, we have five former college admissions officers who have reviewed a thousand applications each year for anywhere between two to 12 years. And each of those applications particularly in schools like University of Chicago, where uh, four of those admissions officers hail from, had between four to six essays. That is a much different experience that we, that we have our clients enjoy than having an English teacher correct a paper. Because you, first of all, you've probably never seen anything that your English teacher wrote. And second of all, they've never been in the room, quote unquote, deciding whether to admit someone or to deny them a thousand times a year year after year. So the essay is not a boring English paper. The essay is much is a much different type of writing. It's about you or it's about the student. Most of the time in high school, kids are asked to write about other stuff, a book they've read, a passage, some historical event, you name it. College essay writing is about the child. And it's the last best opportunity to answer the question that is on every admissions officer's minds as they review their applications. But that's this, ironically, this question is not anywhere on the application. And that question is, why should we take you compared to these 5,000, 20,000, 90,000 other competitor applicants who have the same grades and the same scores. You look the same on paper, whether you like it or not. I'm sure, you're, I'm sure your child is special in many ways. But on paper, 
they can be perceived as commodities. So the essay is the last chance to say, well, this is why I'm different. It should touch on character. It should make, it should be about something interesting. It should not be about the same stuff that everyone writes about written with cliches. It should be detailed and it doesn't have to be about some huge highfalutin thing. It can be, you can go small as one of our college essay advisors, Sarah talks about. So those are my two cents on the essay. Now, mistake number or an obstacle number nine, it's just winging it. A lot of people think, yeah, what's the big deal? You know, I managed to do okay getting to college. Well, I'm probably about the same age as you are. A lot has changed in the last 30 years since we applied to school. I applied to one school, by the way, and I got in. I was done. But today, between all the basically between all the marketing that colleges do and all the pressure that that kids and parents and even to some extent superintendents the college board the uh, act the colleges themselves it's a perfect storm and the process has changed so far uh, so much more than than it used to look like in back in ancient times now it's very easy to graduate college and not have a job that requires a college degree. Even before the pandemic, this was a problem because 50% of college grads who graduated in the last two years didn't have a job that required a BA or a BS. It's, all the student debt out there is crushing kids. If you switch majors once or twice because you don't do enough thinking about what it is that makes how, how you're wired and what it is that uh, that makes that wiring jibe with majors and, and careers that could be a good fit for you. If you switch majors a couple of times, which 80% of kids do, they switch majors at least once, you could end up on the six year plan at 50 to 60, 70,000, maybe $80,000 per year. Not to mention the opportunity costs of not getting out and working on the schedule that you should have stuck to. So that could be a 100,000 to a $200,000 problem if you don't have a plan. So please don't wing it. And the last obstacle is very closely related to that. That's starting too late. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not advocating that everybody start in ninth grade. What I am saying is that you should start in utero. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But what I am saying is that many kids are not ready to work with someone like me in ninth grade because they're not going to benefit from the advice and that's going to be a waste of money. However, you should start thinking strategically about building that body of work and positioning yourself financially through legal and ethical loopholes and strategies to be able to not only multiply your odds of getting in to the colleges that you want to get into, but also to pay only wholesale prices to qualify for generous tuition discounts. And the earlier you start thinking about that and, and implementing those thoughts and those strategies that you come up with, the better. If you are ready to talk about coming up with a winning college game plan, all you need to do is to schedule time with either me or someone on my team. We'll ask you to fill out a quick application. All you have to do is click on the button right below me here and that'll take you to the application. And as long as we are currently still taking on new clients, we will schedule time to talk to you, not to sell you, but to see if you qualify for our programs and for you to be able to judge for yourself whether you think that we're a good fit or not. So thanks a lot for watching. 
and reading this report because I'm turning this into a free report. And uh, I hope to speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the College Planning Edge podcast. For more information about our Inner Circle Group Coaching Membership, which is a great way to dip your toes in the water of the whole college planning morass, um, and get access to our double secret software, College Guru software that helps you create a strategic list of colleges and identify fat, juicy, merit aid, and need-based aid opportunities, as well as some other benefits, check out the Lockwood Inner Circle at lockwoodinnercircle.com and use the coupon code podcast for 50% off the first month's membership. Thanks for listening.